welcome to the Daily Regrounding Podcast, a space where together we can step into and steep in the natural world around us. Through interviews with experts in life, health, and business, as well as some solo regrounding riffs, we'll create mindful moments and deep breaths, allow for perspective and pause, and ultimately feel more connected and deeply content. I am your host, Meredith Ewanson. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so, so excited to chat with our guest today. We have Hannah Kuhari, who is a professional intuitive astrologer and working psychic medium. And her work seeks to support her clients in amplifying their divine consciousness so that they can discover and live a life of energetic alignment, clarity, and purpose. And I just actually love your intro, your bio. I feel like it's so concise yet potent, which I feel like kind of of describes you. I feel that way. I'll take it. Yeah. The way you communicate. So welcome, Hannah. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what's exciting for you right now? Um, I mean, what isn't exciting? We are living in crazy times <laughs> and I feel like there is just every day something is unfolding, um, whether that is in relation to the cosmos or, um, you know, my own personal life and my own personal journey of just exploring and kind of uncovering what's going on below the surface with me. Um, yeah, it's just, you talk about the word potent. We're in potent times for sure. Yeah. And I guess the word exciting, I, I often think of that as positive, but it's not always positive. Exciting can just mean like lots of movement, lots of change, lots of, lots of energy, lots of newness, right. Which can have both positive and negative or just, um, I don't know, it can be surprising sometimes too. And I, yeah, I think that's a lot of, a lot of that is, um, hindsight too. You know, Mm. it takes us by surprise and maybe it doesn't feel as positive right away. And then once we're working through whatever is coming up for us, whether that's collectively or individually, it's like, Oh, now I see the bigger picture. And I, I feel more confident about, you know, what's moving in for me and, um, what's going on. So we'll take exciting as positive. I'm an, I'm an optimist, so I I'll take it as a positive thing. Yeah, definitely. So to back up for a moment, um, I met you through Instagram, really. Um, yeah. I, I found you through different people that I followed that I love and that I trust and that I enjoy what they share. And kind of a few of those different people, I would say, led me to you. And similar to, I'm a yoga teacher. Yoga teachers are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. You know, folks in wellness, there are so, so many. There are, you know, every modality. There's just so many different ways people can express it and can teach it, can offer it. Um, and so although I've experienced and followed and, you know, known a number of astrologers or intuitives and, and people who are, you know, quote, in your same you know realm of the industry, there was just definitely something that I felt like I connected with you on and, you know, trying to pinpoint what that is. I feel like it is so easy in this wellness space for things to feel really nebulous and kind of woo woo to a point where you just actually don't understand what the person's talking about. Yeah. Or, um, maybe confusing or just the person is so deep into their knowledge that maybe they, they don't have the ability to ground and root down and connect in a way and, and communicate in a way that really can, um, like 
cut through to people where they understand exactly what they mean. And I feel like for you, I don't know what your, you know, background is with like what you've studied in school, but I feel like your communication style is something that I immediately connected with and felt like, okay, like I, I love the way that she presents her gifts. And it is something that I felt like that I'm sure other people feel too. So if anyone is listening here who knows Hannah, I'm sure you're like, yeah, of course. Like I totally feel that way too. Um, but if things like astrology and psychic mediumship and, you know, using your intuition or even understanding what that is feels really like, oh, that's for those kind of people. Or like, that's really something that's, I don't understand. That's not for me. Um, I feel like you really ground it down and make it really understandable. Is that something that you just feel like you must feel that way as well? But is that like a gift you have? Is that something you kind of work towards doing? I think it just, it's, it's kind of come naturally to me. And I mean, thank you so much for that beautiful feedback. That's something that just makes my heart sing because I think it is really easy in this uh, spiritual community to um, make things overcomplicated. And sometimes the firmest truths, the most powerful moments and stuff in our life that we experience kind of boils down to these, these things that are actually quite simple. Um, Simple and yet complex, I guess. But my my background or my bachelor's degree is actually in communication and linguistics. So, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm an English I, major. So I appreciate the yeah. use of words and and cadence and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been kind of intertwined with rhetoric in some way. Um, and I was an early communicator as a kid. And I know you and I have talked about that just um, in the past. About I, I know you were a child that spoke quite early. I was definitely a very early and verbal, um, um, child and, you know, looking at like my astrology chart to my North node is in Gemini. And so I'm just, I'm an internal student. Um, but my Mercury's in Sagittarius. So I also love to, to teach what I'm learning. And so I think that's just kind of my natural cycle of absorption and integration and learning. And this, this overall, um, <clears throat> curiosity about life and those big kind of esoteric questions, and then trying to make sense of it all. And, um, I, I don't, I, I don't have to force myself to try to, to make it, um, digestible for people. I think it's just my own internal process of making sense for me and then kind of mirroring back to, you know, my potential clients or my community or my audience of how could this be received in a way that is still powerful and meaningful, but applicable and practical. Mm, yeah. And I think that really also like lends itself to how, like that's just your authentic way of being, you know, you're not trying to take your gifts and construe them into some sort of um, facade or impression that you feel like you need to be a certain person. Like that's just how you naturally function. Therefore, when you present it that way to people, I feel like it really connects. So I told it's so funny. I had no idea your communications major or anything in college, but obviously that totally makes sense. So where, like where and when did astrology and mediumship and intuition and all of that come in for you? I'm, I, I know it was somewhere, you know, when you were growing up, I'm sure you maybe didn't know what it was. Like, tell us your kind of story with that, if you would. Sure. So in terms of like the more intuitive psychic piece, um, that has been kind of woven in through my, my story or my narrative since I was a child. I didn't understand what it was, but I was a child that was very sensitive to energy, whether that was environmental, um, you know, walking into a room and I just could kind of sense what was going on. I was very intuitive, just kind of picking up on what was going on below the surface, whether or not someone would admit that they were 
you know, having a rough day or they were upset about something. So I was very sensitive to, you know, tone of voice, the way that people were um, interacting. And, and I could observe a lot of that on top of just feeling spiritual presence, spirits in my bedroom, um, you know, seeing things, just feeling really, uh, <laughs> when I was a child, it was, it was very frightening because I didn't know how to talk about those things. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want people to also downplay, um, my intelligence, which I think a lot of us grapple with if we're, if we're energetically sensitive and maybe we've had those experiences, we want people to take us seriously. Um, so, you know, as I, as I was growing up, especially through high school, I kind of repressed a lot of that. And I think that was just kind of a subconscious way of, of getting through life at that point in, in, in time where I needed to be focusing on my studies and social interactions and just maturing into a, a decent human being. Um, and that was um, something that always just was kind of playing out in the background, especially when I would be outdoors. I love to be outside. I love to hike and camp and backpack. And so when I would spend time in nature, I felt very, very connected to, um, you know, God, the heavens, the universe, just feeling really in tune with that, that source or that life force energy. And again, just not kind of knowing what that connection was, but I just knew it was powerful and it was humbling and it felt like home to me. So I always followed that, that, nudge to just get outside when I felt overwhelmed or if I mm. felt like I needed some kind of clarity or, or, you know, um, uh, to just, you know, let go of something, whatever the outdoors was always that, that kind of therapist office for me, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of astrology. I mean, I've always been interested in kind of the woo woo side, the occult. Um, I loved watching like, uh, ghost hunters and the paranormal shows. I mean, I'm a Scorpio sun, so I'm into all of that kind of, you know, dark taboo (laughs) stuff. Um, but it's just, there's something about astrology that it's like, I can't even put my finger on what exactly it is, but it, it teaches us so much about ourselves. And I think that is really what, what tuned me into it. My mom growing up was really big into like the Myers-Briggs personality tests and then also the Enneagram. And so I was always really interested in that too, just understanding how people's minds work and how they're, how they function differently than someone else and understanding those relational dynamics, just so fascinating to me. And astrology is, is kind of um, in that, that realm of understanding Mm -hmm. ourselves, but from a a more cosmic and celestial uh, perspective, and honestly, it's, it's just something that is endlessly fascinating to me. Um, so it was about maybe five or six years ago that I started really diving into astrology. And then only in the last you know three or four years um, have really kind of taken my study into a more professional mm-hmm. arena, but there's no way to master it all. And I, I love that, you know, mm-hmm. the, there's, there's no, there's no way to, to possibly just be like, cool. I've learned everything about it. And <laughs> Now I'm done and on to the next thing. And yeah. I'm someone that consistently has to be stimulated with new ideas, um, you know, learning new, new, um, a- anything, you know, I just, I love to, to learn. And so I love that astrology offers just kind of unlimited access to whatever it is you want through a, a multitude of different ways of interpretation, um, historical lineage and references and cultural um, depictions as well. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's so cool. Yeah. What a journey. And so did when you were younger and you were having some of these visions and feelings and and energies, um, did you know that that was different than 
kind of all your quote, all your friends? Did you know that what you were experiences experiencing was something more potent or more clear than others, or you weren't sure? Yes and no. Um, I think internally I probably did because it's not something I really shared with people mm-hmm. and I'm a pretty open book. I love to talk. I love to converse. I'm someone that you can just pick up a conversation with and you know we can go there. And yet that wasn't something that I think I was really willing or ready to speak about um, because it's like, I knew that people would have very opinionated views about it and um, less my family, but you just never know what to expect with other people and how their, you know, their religious beliefs might play Mm. into that, um, how they might judge you for that. So yeah, I think there was an internal knowing that this was something that was different. Some of these experiences that I was having. And yet at the same time, um, I just kind of carried on with my life. So I didn't also dwell on it either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you felt like that influenced moving into astrology and you use your intuition to some capacity in astrology. So Mm -hmm. is like how much for you, because I know astrology can be done in a number of different ways and each person's individual. So how much of it for you is intuitive versus straight data driven? What does that look like? Like how, when you're reading someone's chart, um, do both of those elements come in? That's a great question. Um, And every, you know, each astrologer has their own approach to how they um, interpret the chart. It truly is an interpretive art versus it being a science, but there is a lot of, you know, data that we, that we rely on. And there is kind of a, I don't want to say a scientific process to doing it, but there is, there is a certain level of uh, routine and, and things that you are looking for. There are some kind of bottom lines that things boil down to, but in terms of how I interpret energy as it bases based on a person, I take a look at the chart and I notice what the major energies are and what those are telling me. And basically what it is, is basic is um, uh, reading the story, reading the story of the soul, reading the story of my client or whoever it is that I'm reading for. And getting a general sense of what that energy feels like. Now, I'm someone that when I connect with another person, whether that is reading their chart um, or doing an intuitive reading or psychic reading for them just in person, I can very quickly pick up on the type of person that they are, whether they are more of a a structured individual, someone that really needs organization and uh, routine and tends to be more analytical or someone that lives more in their subjective world and is more artistic and perhaps um, uh, more abstract in in, in their thought process. So I can, I can feel that right away when I meet someone, but in, in context of the chart, how that guides me is when we're looking at a planetary placement, there are so many ways that that energy can express. And so oftentimes when I'm doing, um, you know, a reading for a client, we'll, we'll start to talk about one of those particular planetary energies. And I'll, you know, ask a lot of questions because that kind of helps to open up how this could reflect for someone, but I will get a lot of intuitive hits on maybe how this expressed itself in, in childhood. You know, if I see someone that's got some challenging energy in their fourth house, that might tell me that they maybe had a challenging childhood or a difficult relationship with their mother or some kind of trauma that they experienced. And then of course, you know, I want to open that up to be a dialogue with them um, if they're comfortable talking about that. So, you know, I never approach the chart as how I interpret that information as being how it has to be because my client's going to tell me whether or not that's true. But yeah, there are certain times where 
you know, especially looking at the North and South nodes relation to past life, um, experiences, stuff like that. I will get, you know, visions or I will hear things, um, intuitively from, from my guides or my clients guides. And it's actually quite fun to be able to use a lot of that intuitive knowledge to make the reading so personal and so clear and, um, so rich. So I don't think it boils down to a percentage of when I use more intuition and when I use more of the, the kind of a, the statistical aspect and, and the, the calculated aspect of reading the chart. It's, it's so different with each client, but I've never had a reading with someone who's walked away feeling like, or has told me no, this doesn't apply to me. Um, it always seems to be the opposite, which is really fun. So. Yeah, that is so cool. And actually when you were reading my chart, I remember there was one point where you, and I don't remember what aspect it was, but it was something you were um, talking about. And I was like, Hmm, I'm trying to kind of connect with that. And, And then you asked like a really direct question, like, like, did you have issues in school or like with people like saying you weren't very smart or something like that? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's actually exactly like you nailed it. So maybe I didn't have the personal awareness to understand what it was you were referring to. And I don't know what was going on on your side of things, but there was something that you just were like, mm, cut through. This is actually, I think what this is talking about. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so fascinating. Like I, you know, that's something like you would never know or that, um, yeah. Like that type of thing must just happen all yeah. the time. And does it help when you're reading someone's chart if they are pretty self-aware or does that not really matter to you? Cause you're just kind of doing your job. Um, it, I think it always helps when people are self-aware, whether I'm doing an astrology reading or, or a psychic intuitive reading, um, because I feel like they can integrate that feedback or whatever it is that we're chatting about at a deeper level. And they, they tend to be more honest about, yeah, this is something that I struggle with, or yes, this was something that I was aware of, um, or I could see how this plays out in my relationship. So yeah, the level of self-awareness is definitely helpful, but I have had readings for people where they've had, you know, they're not on the spiritual path, you know, and yet they're still interested and they're curious about astrology. And so it's kind of that, it might be one of those experiences for them that starts to kind of crack open the shell and, and helps them to, to go in deeper. It, it encourages them or it excites them in some way to begin to unpack some of this stuff that's coming up. So I don't think it's that you have to be, you know, on this path to be able to benefit from a reading like this. I think just having an open mind is really mm-hmm. the key. Yeah. And what is, um, cause you must, you know, have, I know you have your own practices so that you can hone and tune your gifts and stay kind of on your game, if you will, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like be really, um, ready for when you are connecting with people, what does that look like for you or how has that evolved? Is there, you know, if you're willing to share, is there a specific practice or how, how do you hone your intuitive gifts? Like, what does that look like? Especially yeah. for someone who might be wondering, do I have intuitive gifts? Like yeah. maybe like what, what would you share with that person too? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I think it's important to understand that as humans, we are, we are inherently intuitive. It's, it's, it's something that we all have access to. It's just that some of us are, um, we're, we're more aware of it at this time. And so whether or not that feels like it comes more naturally or not, we all have access to our intuitive gifts. So I think it's important for people to, to know that, that it's not just for the few and the chosen. That's just our natural state of being. I always say that as humans, we are inherently spiritual as well, whether 
you practice a re- organized religion or you're an atheist, mm-hmm. there's something that connects all of us. Um, and it doesn't have to be based on a belief system. In terms of my process for honing in on my um, my intuition and just opening myself up to that, um, it's taken, you know, of course, practice and intention and mentorship. I've had some wonderful mentors in my my life that have really helped to boost my confidence and to help me just um, trust myself and what I'm receiving. But my process for readings is um, making sure that I'm in a clear headspace, and I and I, I preface this when I come into a reading with someone, especially if I'm doing like an intuitive reading where I'm working with their guides and their angels or their higher self, is that I will never do a reading if I am mentally not in a clear place. If there's something going on in my personal life that is taking me away from being able to show up as a clear channel or vessel. Um, as well as physical health. I won't do readings if I'm sick because it's just, I'm not in, I'm not in my best energetic state. Um, so I always make sure that my mind and body is in a, is in a clear present balanced, um, state. I do a lot of grounding work. That's something that has just really helped me in my life for a multitude of reasons, dealing with anxiety, challenging, uh, you know, emotions, um, you know, different periods of my life where I've, where I've needed to have that kind of centered, um, space to come back to. And so I do a lot of visualizations for, for my grounding practices if I can't get outside. Um, but meditation is really always kind of my go-to it. It just, it, it, I have come uh, into my practice now that I don't need to spend 30 minutes in meditation to receive the benefits of it. But prior to every client reading, um, not so much with the astrology readings, but the other um, psychic intuitive readings, I always sit in meditation for at least 10 to 15 minutes to just clear my own energetic field of any frustration, anxiety, stress for my personal life of being a mom and, you know, a a spouse, all of that, we all carry energetic debris. And so it's important for me to feel like I can just clear that or set it off to the side so that when I'm showing up to be present with my client, whether it's a remote session or one-on-one over zoom, that they're getting the very best of me and the clearest, um, the clearest, uh, energy that I have available. So I do a lot of that and I love to use oils and I know you're, you're a big user and lover of oils too. And that those, the oils for me just help me kind of anchor into that place of feeling grounded of, you know, feeling um, safe and protected and open. So I do use those a lot in, in, um, in my practices as yeah. well. Yeah. So you have quite, just like any other person really, they have quite the yeah. toolbox of your, yeah. of what you need in order mm-hmm. to feel grounded and stable and, and clear. You know, I know we both have um, a deep love and reverence for nature. And I know you have some really special places that you visit that feel really, um, you know, refilling of your cup and Mm -hmm. and kind of support you in that way. Um, And I actually felt like when you were doing my astrology reading that like the me receiving the reading felt really grounding, like that Mm -hmm. felt like something that was almost like you know, another type of tool that could be used to sort of come back to yourself. Because when I think of grounding or regrounding, I think of, you know, some means that brings you back to yourself. For me, it's often nature, but Mm -hmm. learning, but I think astrology is nature, you know, it's Mm -hmm. universal, it's cosmic. So um, for me, I definitely felt like it was really illuminating, but also reassuring. Yeah, Like it was any of those sort of like, 
slightly untethered feelings or thoughts or concepts or, you know, things that might've kind of floated in or out of my mind at some point, like it was like, you were able to sort of like, sew those together a Mm. little bit, which was really nice and felt, um, does feel really grounding. And I, I don't know if everyone else has that experience. I mean, um, I feel like, you know, learning more or just being reaffirming more about yourself yeah. is just grounding and stabilizing in its own. Um, and even just knowing, and I don't know, for some people, it might be just knowing that there's, that there's some sort of guiding light or some sort of something greater at hand that we aren't just alone, you know, yeah. that there is something bigger and that we are all connected mm-hmm. in that way. Um, so do you, do you feel like astrology feels like kind of a grounding experience for a lot of people or depends? Yeah, I do. I think that's a great way to put it. It's, it's not a way that I had considered that before, but I, I can feel how that would feel grounding or, um, I hear that it's validating a lot to Mm, people mm -hmm. because there are very obvious parts of ourselves or the obvious parts of ourselves that we, that we put out into the world, that we showcase to society, that we aren't afraid to tell people about ourselves. And then there are parts of ourselves that we feel more vulnerable about that maybe is a reflection more of our shadow self or the side of us that comes out when we're not in alignment and we're not grounded and we're not balanced. Right. And I think astrology is a beautiful lens to be able to perceive both parts of ourself, those internal and external pieces, the hidden, and yet the very obvious parts of ourself in a very equalizing way. I think through society and just, you know, generalities, we emphasize the the lighter parts of ourselves, our gifts, our talents, and we should, they're there are beautiful parts of ourselves that we want to share with the world, but that shouldn't be in contrast to the parts of ourselves that feel <clears throat> that feel vulnerable, that feel tender, that feel maybe wounded. Those are still very equal and val- uh, valid parts of ourselves that we shouldn't feel like we have to repress. Um, if anything, I feel like they need to be shown more love and and um, and just care so that we can live in a place of feeling more whole. And I do feel like astrology gives us that, that perspective of seeing ourselves from the soul's lens, from seeing ourselves from a very whole place, both the light and the dark. And that's something that I do talk about with my clients when maybe we're talking about a challenging aspect or even looking at a planet that expresses say Mercury. And we're talking about your, your communication gifts and the way that you can like you communicate and you connect with other people. But then we also may talk about, okay, well, when you're not in alignment, this is how it can come off to other people. Or are you aware? How do you feel about, you know, this side of this energy? And so I think just to have that, that awareness that um, it's not about having the best placements or the worst placements. I am someone that, that truly believes there's no such thing as a bad placement. It always has an opportunity for us to learn from. Um, and to be able to just feel validated of who we are as individuals is so, so important. And for someone maybe that struggles with feeling like, I don't have anything to, sh- to share. Everyone else has got these amazing gifts and talents. And then it's like, they look at their chart and they're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Or I just haven't felt confident ab- enough about this. And to just to just feel reassured that this is where I need to go. And perhaps it's super different from everybody else. And I hear this a lot, just feeling like, everyone else has a very clear, you know, clear career path or, you know, a role that they're fulfilling in their life. And a lot of times people are like, I just don't know what I want to do for a job, but I feel this very clear call from my soul that I'm supposed to be 
working with people or animals, or this is what lights me up and makes me passionate. I just don't know how to turn that into a job. So we talk about that, you know, the difference between career and vocation and gifts. And I think sometimes we, we perceive those, those, those vocational, um, tugs from the heart as like, oh, this is, this is something we have to turn into a business. This is something that we have to monetize from. And that's not always the case. You know, our life's mission and purpose doesn't have to be in exchange for money, although sometimes it is, and that's, that's great, but it doesn't have to be. And, and so there's just a lot to unpack there, but yeah, validating, um, like you're saying, grounding in that way of just feeling more clear on, yeah, this is how I've always felt about myself, but Perhaps I've been led to believe through relationships or trauma or, um, you know, playing the comparison game that maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not like that. I don't know. Um, I, I think it is really helpful. Yeah. And I don't know if it's all the Capricorn in my chart, which, you know, there's a lot of yes. that. I um, just always have a tendency to want to like bring things down to the practical. Like, how do we use right. this? How does this, um, how, how is this useful? How can this help us grow? How can this move us forward? Um, and so perhaps that's where like that grounding element feels really strong for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, then I'm going to ask, like, how can people use astrology? How can they apply it to their everyday life? Like, for example, I know I've heard of um, like each day of the week is associated with certain planets and you can um, sort of whether it's tailor your schedule or just be aware or, you know, that type of thing um, mm-hmm. to what's happening, you know, day by day. Or maybe there are some other ways where people, okay, so they have their, their charts been read, they've learned some things, they've affirmed some things. Like now, how, how do we in practice in every day kind of go about um, utilizing that to our best ability? And I know there is so much to learn and it is endless. So it's like the practice of diving deeper into your own chart and not just getting one natal chart reading, but maybe yeah. continuing to explore that relationship with yourself through the lens of someone who is an expert who understands. Um, but what are some ways people can apply what they learn kind of in their everyday life? Yeah. Fantastic question. And such a Capricorn question. I love it. I know. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yes, there are so many ways that we can, we can utilize astrology in our day-to-day life. There, there are certain energies or, or planetary energies that are associated with the day of the week. For instance, Monday is associated with the moon. So a lot of people like to use Mondays as their day of just, just checking in with themselves, reflecting in, figuring out how do I feel about this week? What do I, how do I want to set myself up? You know, Monday, is that day to, to just kind of get your ducks in a row and to feel like, okay, I've got this. And then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, they all have their planetary energies. And there are some people that really feel like they benefit from having that kind of structure. Now I am someone that feels like it's really easy to almost overcompensate, over obsess about mm-hmm. what's written in the stars. Well, if the moon is in this phase or this position today, then I shouldn't be doing this. Um, so I think, I think a lot of it is personal. You know, I am yeah. someone that does not rule my weeks based on the planetary energy in terms of like Monday being a moon day and Tuesday being, you know, a day for, for mercurial things or whatever it is. So, um, I really feel like I just have to tune into my own energy there. Now there are really powerful ways that we can use astrology in a very practical way. And one of those is using the new moon and the full moon as kind of anchoring points in for our month. So whether or not you're a business owner, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We can utilize the beginning and an ending 
as kind of a, an overarching theme or energetic, um, energetic theme for the month that we can, that we can work with. So the new moon is about new beginnings. It's new, a new fresh start seeds that are being planted and tensions that we are making a new cycle that's being initiated. So when we have a new moon, it's a really fantastic time to just kind of get clear on what do I want to accomplish this, this month, or what do I want to accomplish in the next couple of weeks? And maybe that's writing down goals or, you know, your manifestations that you're working on, or, you know, just checking in with yourself. How do I feel? Do I need to be making some changes compared to last month? But it's having that space of knowing this is a new start for me in some way. And how do I want to utilize this potent possibility or potential? And then we have the full moon, which occurs about two and a half weeks later. So the full moon is the culmination of energy. So it's a celebration and it can also be a time of, of reflection and kind of an internalized process. So again, depending on that energy, maybe it is a time where you want to share and celebrate your successes for the month. Maybe you, you know, just hit everything out of the park in terms of like your goals with your business and you just, you know, slate it and you want to tell everyone all about it and celebrate that beautiful time is to do that during the full moon, share what you've learned, share what maybe worked or didn't work. And that's also happens, you know, during that kind of reflective period, but full moons can also be very solitary internal. So if there's a lot that's come up for you, say over that lunar cycle that you feel like you need to process and work through the full moon is, is that kind of, um, a uh, beautiful time to, to come inward and to kind of process any of that emotional bits and pieces that, uh, that might be telling you something or that, you know, there's a lesson there for you. So I think that's a great starting point for people that mm-hmm. want to work, um, with, with astrology, you know, in, in a pretty basic way throughout the month, you'll always have a new moon, you'll always have a full moon. And so that's a good place to start. Um, another way that we can use astrology, in a really practical way is also taking a look at our chart and seeing, you know, where our general energies or, or strengths lie and how, how are we, or not using, how are we, or how are we not using these energies in our work, in our business? So, you know, for someone like you, Meredith, who has a lot of, of earth energy in your chart, um, you know, those are going to be strengths for you being really practical and analytical and, um, down to earth and objective and getting things done, but maybe, maybe that also tells you that you, there are going to be times you're going to need to open up more to more of those intuitive pieces and, and remembering to bring in the emotional, the emotional aspect. So, you know, that's something that's important as you're looking at your natal chart or working with a professional that they can help you kind of figure out, all right, where are you top heavy and where do you need to be bringing in more balance? <clears throat> and um, as well as there can be a lot of indicators in your chart that can help you figure out where is a good path or, you know, where, where is going to be a natural um, area of success for me in terms of, you know, work and career and strengths, um, whether you're building a business or, you know, you're, you're working for someone else. So yeah, there's so much you can do. Yeah. And I feel like you just also went through a few really good questions that when someone does get a natal chart reading that Mm -hmm. if like, those are some good questions to ask, you know, someone might not know, what do I even ask? Because you're not being asked to tell the future, you know, right. that, that's, those aren't <laughs> questions you're going to answer or that you're intending to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those more kind of practical or guiding type questions that might be illuminating for people can be um, super helpful. And mm-hmm. I, I actually love that, <laughs> that you brought up that you don't necessarily, it's not that you don't subscribe to the days of the week using you know, the planetary placements, but that you're not dogmatic about it, because I think it can be 
really easy in whatever well you know wellness modality you might be in um or even if you don't teach um you know something like astrology or yoga or meditation if you're even just creating your own practice it can be really easy to feel super attached or yeah. super dogmatic or super rigid about yeah. what that practice is and i think you know being someone personally who does well with structure and like that structure gives me the ability to kind of free flow within that structure sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have to be aware of that, you know, that yeah. I don't need to just do this every day to check the box. That's not the point. Right. Like what is happening within that time frame? Not the fact that I did it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a reassuring thing. And, and maybe just like something to kind of shine a light on for people is, um, you know, you don't have to be doing things a certain way. You don't even have to necessarily be consistent in the way that you might have perceived in your mind. Um, if that feels rigid or limiting to you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's such a, it's always such a delicate balance of like introspection. And then to, at what point do we just kind of let life also happen. And that is something that I've just landed on for me personally as, um, necessary, because when I was getting into astrology, there were times where I felt like I, you know, maybe I shouldn't be doing this because, you know, the, the astrological energy isn't, isn't quote unquote, you know, primed for that. And then I started feeling like, where does free will come into this? If I'm only Mm -hmm. relying on the guidance of the stars, yes, it's a powerful tool, especially when we're looking at our life from much more of an expanded place, but it's remembering that life happens based on our choices. And as humans, we have free, you know, the gift of free will, we show up in our life. We get to choose what I'm doing today, what I'm doing tomorrow, if this is for me, or if that's not for me. And it's, and to understand you know, that the stars, the cosmos, you know, the celestial energy just tells us what's available to us, but it doesn't, it doesn't control us like puppets. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, or the world like that either, it doesn't, it's not, that's not how things work. Yeah. And I actually don't do a lot of work in terms of forecasting with my own chart um, because I realized that I was missing out on like the beautiful mystery of life. And so much of this is very scorpionic, um, energy, which is, which is my sun sign, but there is a difference between applying and setting yourself up for success in terms of your, perhaps your daily structure, figuring out what works for you. I I do need some level of structure. Virgo rules my sixth house. And so I, I do like to have things in place and have a calendar and kind of know what to anticipate, but I also like to leave room to have life surprise me sometimes because the most beautiful experiences in my life have been the ones that have been unplanned. And, um, sometimes that, you know, that's within our control and sometimes that's with, you know, not in our control. So, um, yeah, it is, it is easy to become very rigid. And then at that point, like you're saying with, with the dogma of all of it, it's like, where, where are you taking control of your life? You know, where are you making choices? Where are you following what, what lights you up and makes you passionate or, you know, right. Inspires you versus on what, you know, an an astrology book or, you know, whatever it is, is telling you that you should be doing. So, um, yeah, it can be easy to bypass your own personal experience and diving into you versus outwardly doing, you know, the journaling, the meditating, the yoga, the, you know, reading your chart, 
like a crazy person every single morning or whatever (laughs) it might be. And I feel like a lot of that, because like I mentioned, and you know, like structure is something that I thrive on, but with that can also be a shadow side sometimes Um, that I think that's where kind of naturally my practice of regrounding and the work that I do with that kind of came into play. Because what I realized is when I went and stepped out into nature, there was no agenda. There was no, I have to walk this way or I have to walk this far, or I have to go do this when I'm outside. It's just an experience of experiencing. Yeah, It's just allowing. It's just receiving. It's just yeah. seeing what happens. You don't know what the sudden rise is going to look like every day. It's mm-hmm. not the same, but my meditation cushion feels, it is the same. You know, I mean, the yeah. experience you have when you meditate, of course, is different, but, um, but it, I, I think for me anyway, and I feel like this is like something that I hope others maybe can sort of, um, feel connected to as well is that it's not a doing it's, it's an allowing it's a receiving, you know, and I feel like when whatever practice we're doing, no matter what it is, there has to be that level of trust maybe, you know, and maybe that's where some of um, just trust and allowing and, and that way our intuition can kind of come into play and we can, things can sort of quote, fall into place where maybe we were micromanaging or controlling or just totally fucking missing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. it's so easy just to miss things when, yeah. when we have, um, you know, t- maybe too contrived of an experience or, or, you know, don't just, um, don't just allow it to unravel and see what happens. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a really, a really beautiful way of putting it, especially being outdoors is not having the expectation of the experience, but just letting, the experience be what it is. And, you know, that's so, so true. And we can apply that same, that same mentality to our everyday. Um, it's not to say that that structure can't exist and can't support us. It, it does. And it should, but, you know, kind of like what I was saying of leaving room for some mystery, sometimes leaving room to be surprised, um, leaving room to have things turn out better than maybe you expected it to. Um, that all comes from a place of trust and surrender, which is really, really hard for humans. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Me so much. Yeah, oh, it is. So it much. Is. Yeah. And with that kind of going back to intuition and trust and that for a moment, um, like how, how do you know, how do you trust your intuition? Like, and I guess for you, maybe personally, how does that play? How does that play out for you? Do you have like a light bulb feeling, a gut feeling? Do you have a visual? Is it probably a combination of those things depending? Like what are your sort of markers of like, yes, this is the right thing for me or the right um, thing to share with this person even? How do you know when to trust your intuition or if it's, I don't know, your ego speaking the practical mind, the logical overriding the heart, the emotional, like where is that balance and how does that play out for you? And maybe what can you share about that? That might be helpful. Cause I know for me that, as you know, I think can, can feel a little clouded sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, That's a really fantastic question. I think something that we, we all really struggle with sometimes. Um, the process of trusting my intuition has just happened over time and practice. And there's really no easy way through that. It is just continuing to show up and to allow your intuition to speak to you and to trust that it's the right situation. And honestly, when I was first beginning um, my psychic mediumship work, one of my mentors said, you know, if you're struggling to trust yourself with what you're receiving from your intuition, write it down 
And then come back and give yourself a star or a check mark for every time your intuition was right. And at some point you will realize you have more yeses than you have no's. And you know, this process will, or, you know, the, the, the need to validate yourself in that way will cease to exist. And she was a hundred percent correct. When I was starting to do readings for, for friends and for clients out of practice, I would keep a notebook and a tally of things that would come through that were my clients were able to validate for me. And it's, it, it just got to a point where it was like, why, who am I, who do I need to prove this to? This is, I'm, I need to prove this. To, I need, I felt like I needed to prove this to myself when in reality, I just needed to trust what I was receiving. Now there is kind of a clarification process with how your intuition speaks to you, which is going to be different for everybody. For me, my predominant Claire is Claire cognizance and Claire audience. Those have always been the strongest for me since I was a child. It's just for me that this like gut <clears throat> inner knowing I will know things. I was never taught it. I was never told it. I just know it to be true. It actually got me in trouble as a child a lot because people thought I was cheating or I was looking stuff up. Yeah. And the reality was I was just receiving. And and that's the beautiful thing about children is they're so intuitive. They're so receptive, um, especially when they're young. They don't have this, this complex about what is someone going to think of me? You know, there, and there's, there's such a fine line between fantasy world and, and reality. So yeah, I, I, as a child was relying on my claircognizance all the time and people would just be like, you're so smart. How did you know that? Like, I don't know. I just did. And then as I got older, I started to question, like, how do I know this stuff? This is weird. (laughs) Like, am I just kind of a know-it-all? Like, what is the deal here? But also clear audience, I hear things. And and a lot of people have this misconception about clear audience being like the voice of God booming in your head. But most people that, that have a strong clear audience, uh, uh, intuitive uh, faculty, it'll sound like your own head voice mm-hmm. or a stream of consciousness in your mind, in your own voice. But it's like, you know, you're not actively thinking that up. So a lot of times when I'm doing readings for people, I will hear a word that will pop into my mind where I'll hear a song um, or I'll hear a phrase in, in my head as if there's almost like another voice in there. And I've just learned to trust. I know I'm not actively thinking about this. Now, understanding the difference between your intuition and your ego, the few things that I've landed on is number one, your intuition will always be the first thing that speaks to you, but it will likely be very soft and very subtle. And so that's why the, the process of understanding energy, learning to be, to be still, to be receptive, you know, a lot of what, what, you talk about here on your podcast and what you work with your clients of just grounding and regrounding to be more aware and just in tune with, with what's going on within and around you is so important because your intuition will always answer immediately. It'll be the first thing that comes to you. And then the ego will pop in and say, ah, yeah, but I don't know about that. Logically, does that make sense? And it will start to kind of dissect and ask questions and want to analyze whatever it is that information is receiving. And most people will uh will follow the ego because the rational mind has been kind of put on a pedestal that is what has been uh you know celebrated the most in terms of our societies and our cultures at this point in time um it's important for us of course to to weigh pros and cons and to you know dissect and, and question to be skeptical but there are some times where the rational mind is not going to be able to come to a conclusion. And, and that's when the intuition was like, I told you, like, why didn't you listen to me? 
So it's going to feel different to everyone. For some people, it might be that gut feeling. For some people, it might actually be a, an actual emotion that comes over them um, that feels expansive and happy or feels restrictive and sad. It may be a thought that comes into their head. It, it could be a vision that they receive. Maybe they see a symbol or something like that. Um, so there's so many different ways. And in terms of how that comes through with my clients, there are some ethical things that I think is important to keep in mind in terms of doing this professionally, that there are certain things that, um, are not in my, not my place to say, I will never talk to someone about, um, anything that could be, uh, could be interpreted as a health problem or health issue. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a mental health practitioner. That's not my, that's not my arena. So I don't go there as well as if I pick up that maybe someone in their, their life could be passing soon. Again, that's, that's not my place. There's some ethical problems there. But I've had so, so many readings where the most random things will come into my head where I'll see. And I'm like, I don't judge that information. I pass it along to my client. And there's always that tiny little, tiny little moment where it's like, that sounds freaking crazy. There's that, that's not going to make sense to them. And then it makes perfect sense to my client. And I just, you know, trust exactly. And those are the moments where I celebrate. Yes. Intuition Mm -hmm. is so powerful and strong. Yeah. So it sounds like for for people to kind of hone and tune and play with and become more familiar and a better relation with their intuition is just to like practice and play around and pay attention and be aware. And if you don't know what it means to be aware, maybe explore some practices that bring you to a place of awareness, whether that's uh, meditation, going for a walk, being outside, um, I don't know, reading, singing, whatever, whatever it might be. If there's any yep. sort of uh, practice that you do that really allows you to feel, I don't know, settled or sort of clear, yeah. maybe do more of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you agree with that? Do more of that. And yeah. as things sort of come to mind or pop into your mind, be more acutely aware of yeah. them and maybe mm-hmm. even write them down so that you don't just forget about it or let it blow by and, and just kind of see what happens. I think that is a really good exercise to write things down. Um, I'm definitely going to try that because it is so easy. Like you said, intuition can be so soft and so quiet that you can just kind of bulldoze over it or hardly notice it. Yeah, absolutely. Or you just, you trivialize what, what was really powerful in that moment. And, Mm. you know, in terms of my work with my clients, it's always the little things that come through that to someone else may, may seem so insignificant. And that's actually what ends up being the most powerful, you know, moment for them in their reading, or that's what they really needed to hear. Um, I, I had a reading with a client a couple of weeks ago, and she had had a lot of questions about past lives. And um, she had this beautiful, quite serious reading and a lot of incredible wisdom and guidance came through for her. And then her last question, she just was open to receiving whatever else her guides wanted to share with her at that time. And so I, you know, opened myself up to, to connect with her guides and to receive that information. And all I saw was a squirrel. <laughs> it was just this, I just saw this vision of a squirrel, like holding onto an acorn. And I was like, okay. So I told her this is really weird, but I'm seeing a squirrel. And she starts laughing and to the point of tears in her eyes. And she's like, oh my gosh, I was saying to my friend, 
all day yesterday, just anticipating this reading. What if my guides, all they tell me is that you didn't do anything important in your past lives and you were just a squirrel. And so, you know, in that moment, it's like her guides offered her this, first of all, this beautiful, like validation that they're with her and they're listening and they're supporting her, but also to just make light of this very serious thing that sometimes I think we can kind of entrench ourselves in that there is a laughter was just so important for her to just lift her and remind her that like, you're do like you're, you're doing great. You know, like Mm -hmm. you're doing great. Like whatever it is that you're working through is significant for you in your life and not to, not to downplay the life of a squirrel, but (laughs) you know, just, just how that's exactly just kind of what, what I feel like framed her whole reading was to know that there are these very serious things that we work through and are challenged by and that we can struggle with, but also like life is a beautiful experience. And sometimes laughter is exactly the kind of medicine that we need or you know, comfort or whatever it is. So uh, and I did, I, I did want to just mention when you were asking about, or you were, you were talking about with intuition, just kind of exploring and playing with, with different, different types or different practices to, to tune into your own energy. Something that I do talk about with my clients who feel like they struggle with that is to look at their chart as well. Their astrology chart can give you some clues on what might be really beneficial for you. For example, I find that, um, People's, people with a lot of Aries in their chart, especially Aries suns, Aries moons, or Aries risings, they really struggle with sitting in meditation because Aries rules the physical body and they need to be active. They are, they are driven by the, the planet of Mars. So they need to be in physical motion. So I find that those individuals are the most receptive when they're actually like doing something like running or, or walking, or, you know, they're allowing their body to kind of create that meditative rhythm or pace. And that's what allows their mind to kind of zone out and to be open and receptive versus trying to sit in quiet solitude. It's like the body, the body doesn't respond that way. Um, Same with people that have prominent Gemini placements, Gemini suns and Gemini risings in particular and Gemini moons too. It's like, they need to multitask. They actually need to be busy Um, and I find that those people also sometimes struggle to sit in, in solitude or meditation, that they actually need to be doing something active, like writing, like, um, automatic writing can be really powerful Mm -hmm. for them. Uh, journaling can be really powerful for them or doing something with their hands and their body at the same time of kind of opening themselves up to, to receiving, whether that's like vacuuming or mowing the lawn again, just kind of like multitasking to, to stay, staying open. And then there are people that are like Capricorns or Taurus or um, Scorpio, those signs and Pisces, those signs in particular really need a lot of alone time, a lot of solitude. Those are the signs that I find really benefit from meditation and having time to themselves um, to disconnect from a lot of um, stimulus. Mm, That's super interesting because I am a Capricorn sun. So yes, I definitely resonate with the alone time, but I'm also Aries moon. So perhaps that could also lend itself to be why I really get benefit from and enjoy alone going Mm -hmm. for walks out in nature, because when I'm walking, when I'm moving, I'm sort of like, that's, I don't know. It's not a distraction, but it's just in motion. There's just some motion happening. So I can just allow my thoughts and feelings and whatever that I'm receiving to come in. Mm -hmm. My brain isn't kind of just sitting there reeling and wondering right. and thinking yeah. um, when I'm sitting and I do a little bit of both. Like I do get benefit from seated meditation too, but um, 
I, I like both. Both mm-hmm. of them definitely kind of have a little bit of different benefits. Or sometimes w- for me, walking outside is like a quicker, like yes. I can even just be outside for a few minutes and I feel like get the same amount of benefit that might take me a quite a bit longer time seated um, or lying down mm-hmm. in just kind of a still meditation. So that yeah. that's super interesting that you can also look at your chart to see kind of um, how that might, um, you know, how that might individually work for you. Cause we yeah. know it's not a one size fits all. Nothing is. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and a qu- I had a question too, on like relationships with others in terms oh, of yeah. navigating, um, like navigating relationships with those who are maybe not on a spiritual path or mm-hmm. similar spiritual path as yeah. you, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, specifically. Um, but like how to navigate working with and connecting with and having synergy with those in your family that are your friends, maybe it's your boss, or your coworker, like how to sort of navigate those relationships when someone isn't, um, I don't know, I don't want to say on the same wavelength as you, cause that makes me, it sounds like there's like a hierarchy, but mm-hmm. you understand what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And that question, doesn't that feel so timely and like pertinent? Yeah. I feel like all of us are dealing with that in some aspect in their lives. And I hear that so much right now, people just really struggling with feeling disconnected from relationships and people in their life or their coworkers. Yeah. That's a tough one because again, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer here, but something that has landed for me, or at least I've reflected in my own life is that everyone's path and timeline is going to be different. And it doesn't, like you're saying with the hierarchy, one is not better than the other. It's just what's serving us best at this time. So for those of us that feel really in tune with, you know, the spiritual path and what we're, what we're connected with and, you know, all those beautiful universal truths and, you know, feeling like you're awakening at this time. And then maybe you have family members that are just not into it at all. What I try to remind myself and other people is that our job is not to convince anyone else of what is real to, to me or to, to you. And my job as a psychic medium or an astrologer is not to change anyone's mind about what they're already perceiving or feeling it's to support and to validate them. And that's, you know, kind of coming back full circle to like my, my mission statement and just what I'm, what I seek to do in my work, it's to amplify what's already there. So, you know, for instance, my husband is not particularly spiritual. He's definitely not religious. And yet we coexist beautifully because he lets me be myself and I let him be his self. I don't force my opinions or my experiences on him as better, as more truthful, as, uh, you know, being more optimal in some way than what he's experiencing. It's literally that we as humans are all having our own very unique experience right now. And it's perfect for each of us. So in terms of like relating, I think compassion goes a long way. Um, And trying to remember that if someone else isn't experiencing what you're experiencing right now, doesn't make what they're experiencing any less real, valid, or true for them. And I I mean, it sounds really trivial, but coming back to that age old uh, uh, guidance that we receive as children of treat others the way that you'd like to be treated. How would you feel if the roles were reversed? If someone was trying to, you know, tell you that, that you were wrong and that they were right. And um, that this exists when you feel like it doesn't, it would feel really 
dampening to, to whatever your experience already is. And again, everyone unfolds in their own time and it may not happen for them in this lifetime where they awaken to the spiritual side. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. We need okay. them too. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. And, 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 you know, everyone's experience is going to be so, so different. What I have come to understand in terms of how this plays out in my marriage is that I do think my husband has his own, I guess, quote unquote, spiritual experiences. It's like, he doesn't label them as anything Yeah, and he just experiences them for what they are. And he reflects and integrates that in a way that makes sense to him and his life. And it's not for me to get to pick apart and decide or tell him what it is, or if it's not now, if he comes to me and asks my opinion, that's different, but it's not my job to jump in and intervene. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Cause I actually feel like my husband is super intuitive and in tune and like really knows and feels things, but almost never says anything about it. You know, like he's more internal kind of in that way. Whereas I'm over here, like reading books and listening to podcasts and like creating (laughs) businesses and like, you know, it's just a different, it's just a different approach. And like you said, with your husband, like it doesn't have to be labeled as anything specific. It can just be the human experience period, you know, and everyone kind of lets that play out in a different way. And I think um, when we were talking last, you used this example of an elephant, if we were both looking at an elephant and we were both totally tell me if I'm getting this wrong, but if we were both looking close up at an elephant and I was looking at like the leg and you were looking at the tail, I'm describing my reality. I'm describing the truth of what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the leg. No, there is no hair over here. This, this, this is no, this isn't a tail. This is a leg. And Mm -hmm. you're overlooking at the tail saying, "Mm, this is definitely not a leg. This is a tail. And we're both looking at the elephant. We're just you know, zoomed in on whatever it is that we're focused on or, um, and maybe that has something to do with like, you know, having an awareness of something greater than ourselves, but maybe it's also just simply the experience that we're here to have. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's an old Buddhist teaching of, um, the, the example of the elephant, because for each person, their perception is a hundred percent valid that one person was absolutely seeing a tail and one other person was absolutely seeing a leg or a trunk or an ear, whatever it is. So just because that they are differences, it's not an opinion. It's a difference of perspective doesn't devalue what the other person is experiencing. And I think that's something that is so crucial and just relative to what we are, we are all navigating right now in this time and space and history is that There is no one truth that this boils down to, you know, there is no black and white, good or bad. It all just is right. And so if we can at least have compassion and kindness to accept, okay, that's not how I'm perceiving it, but I could see from maybe your, your lens or your experience or, you know, whatever it is, how that might be real for you. We can still be kind. We can still mind what someone else is experiencing or seeing or feeling without it taking away or devaluing what our own experiences. And I think mm-hmm. that that's something that, um, you know, we've the last month in particular, just being in Libra season, which we're still in as we're talking right now is that this idea of compromise, um, comes up a lot with the sign of Libra. And I think sometimes people feel like compromising means that you have to give up something of your own in order to meet someone else halfway or in the middle. And, what I guess what I've reflected on simply through astrology is realizing that compromise actually doesn't mean that you have to give up your side. It simply means that you can see things from a different perspective and you Mm. see that 
we, there's still a, a place for us to come together, um, to talk about things, to share, to work, um, harmoniously in some way. And yet we can still be at, pol- at, at polar opposites. It's really just balancing that seesaw, finding that like perfect, you know, apex of, 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 um, of two very, very opposing tensions. And sometimes it's more subtle than that, but it doesn't mean you give up your truth. It doesn't mean you give up what makes you, you, or what's important to you. It just means that you're willing to put that down for the moment to be able to have a constructive conversation or a respectful conversation. Yeah. Um, and to let that other person be who they are and to just kind of meet them where they are. Yeah. And I feel like in those situations, sometimes maybe if that feels really difficult to do that sometimes like a, a more fun maybe or softer way to think about it is how can you get curious about mm. the other person's perspective? Like where yeah. can I find interest in the way that they see this? Yes. Where what's, what's new and different about this that I haven't thought of before? Yeah. What would it feel like if I adopted this thought or perspective? And sometimes that then can kind of, you know, wiggle you out of your straight and narrow space mm-hmm. that you're in. Um, and I'm saying this out loud to whoever's listening, certainly <laughs> as much as I'm saying it to myself. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I really think that that is a powerful way you just described that because I, I automatically think of the word compromise as like, all right, I got to cut out half. Right. <laughs> you know, I got to, yeah. yeah, I got to like. I got to abandon something that I feel really strong about, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be that way. We can look at it from a different perspective, right? Yeah. And creative problem solving, I think is such an underrated (laughs) approach to like, how can we get creative? And like you were saying, how can we be curious? Um, Because curiosity implies that there's an interest. So just showing that you're interested in at least hearing someone out or hearing how they've come to you know, their, their place of reasoning or, or their truth or their decision, whatever it is, it doesn't mean that you're just throwing your own, your own ethics or your own truths out the window. It means that you're just wanting to expand your perception before you make your decision again Mm -hmm. and again. And I think it's this kind of process of reevaluation, being open to, you know, digesting more of that information. Um, and then we always are constantly reevaluating ourselves, whether or not you realize that or not. I mean, that's something that happens planetarily and cosmically all the time as planets go in and out of retrograde. We're, we're in some kind of review process. And that just happens as things change. And so if we're only, you know, fixated on you no, know, my way or the highway, there's no opportunity for us to grow either because we're completely restricted by, by what we need to, to change our minds, to, be more open, to be more compassionate, to be more empathetic. Um, you can still love someone and not agree with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this is such a thing right now. It's like, you can't love someone and yet you can still disagree. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's challenging. It is. And, and I know you have done, and I want to point people to an IGTV. If you're listening to this in October during labor season right now, um, to an IGTV that you did about this particular time. If ever, if anyone wants to kind of really deep dive into what the planets are doing and, and what sort of feelings and energies are happening right now to go check that out. Also you did on your po- podcast, I'm pretty sure it was like a whole end of year. Um, I don't know, not diagnosis would be the word, but forecast. forecast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yep. I know there's a specific word. Yeah. Um, so I want to point people there as well, especially if some of this conversation around, um, 
just some of this heightened, uh, excited energy that's sort of <laughs> happening right now. Yeah. Um, if people want to dive deeper into that to go check out those resources that you have, but is there anything, so I don't want you to feel like you need to go dive deep into any of that. Cause you've already done that, but is there anything else, you know, as we begin to kind of wrap up here that you want to share that might be relevant at this time to what we're talking about, um, in terms of what's happening astrologically, um, in the world? Yeah. Um, we're going to continue to be in this state of, of fluctuation and, and growth. And I think we just have to see that as, as, as growth, the challenge right now is growth. Um, the end of 2021 will be dynamic. <laughs> um, November is going to be a very challenging month. Um, it, there's a lot of tension, I think just collective tension right now. And it's, it's this feeling of like, do I maintain where I'm at do I feel like this is a fight worth fighting for? And also kind of knowing like when to lay the sword down. And that's something that we're going to be feeling really heavily through, through the month of November and into December. And I don't want to say it as like choosing your battles per se, but it's having the wisdom of the warrior. Right. And, and I think that's, again, if you want to go into the archetypes of, of the, the Zodiac, sometimes we have this, this perception of the, of a warrior being someone that is just hell bent and blazed to go into battle and to kill everything quickly and swiftly. And yet over, you know, different cultural interpretations, the warrior can actually be incredibly wise and in figuring out, you know, this isn't worth my energy. This isn't worth the fight. Um, and this is, and so kind of knowing when is the time to to stand up and to be firm and to be um, more aggressive about what it is that we're willing to, to, to fight for. And other times of when perhaps a more compassionate or um, considerate response is necessary takes reflection. It takes participation. It takes introspection. It's, it's not a primal response. Um, it, it does take some, some actual thought there. So the end of the year, there's going to be some some situations that, on a, on a grand or smaller scale, we're going to be feeling of of whether or not these are fights that we want to continue to 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 go after, or is this a time where we need to very wisely lay down our swords and and actually be more um, considerate to what's going on, and the other piece of this is, is we are, we are finishing up the last of the exact Saturn Uranus squares, which is all about the, the, the tension between the new and the old, right. Things that, that have maintained this, the test of time, which is the Saturnian energy, um, where long-term structures are actually still necessary that need to be in place. And then this Uranian energy, which is all about kind of bulldozing and busting through, what is no longer working and where we need to be opening up to some new, more visionary and perhaps even radical ideas of, of how we can work together um, and, and the type of world that we want to build. And that's also a very difficult balance between the new and the old. And I think a lot of us feel that conflict internally too, of like, oh, well, I've maintained this belief my whole life. And suddenly I'm feeling like maybe this isn't real for me anymore. And that can bring up mm. a lot of, a lot of challenging, um, you know, just like personal reflections. I've definitely felt this in my life. So I think we just have to kind of bend more than, than staying firm, I guess, is my, my advice to people is that when you feel tension, think about how you can bend instead of how you can maintain rigidity, because anything that's rigid in life is going to eventually snap and break. Whereas things that are more flexible are going to 
endure over the pressure and the time. So, um, next year, I mean, I'll have a, I'll have a 2022 forecast at some point that, you know, people can dive into, but, you know, just a little sneak peek, the beginning of the year, we have some really incredible, quite visionary energy that's going to be coming in that, um, is going to feel really, really good. And we're also going to have some really challenging energy. That's going to be, that's going to be hard work for all of us too. So, um, I don't know. Everyone so always be mindful. Asks. So be mindful yeah. around the holidays. <laughs> yes. The holidays are going to be, they're going to be challenging. And I think, I think people already kind of intuitively feel that just because of everything that's happened over this year. And by the time we get back together with family, you know, around the, around the dinner table and, you know, uncle Joe has something inflammatory to say, and you know, you have, do I, Oh, do I lay down my sword on this one? Or do I stand up? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Again, maybe we can go back to some of those tools of like, where can I get curious? Where can I find interest in this? Where can I, you know, all the things that you just described of, you know, not needing to always assert or be rigid in what you're doing, but maybe um, just sort of take a step back and kind of notice what's happening from a different perspective Mm -hmm. and let that sort of play out, not necessarily needing to fully engage maybe in the immediate sense. Um, and 2022, I mean, we'll hear more about that as it gets closer, but, you know, I, I definitely always feel like when there's change there, there's excitement, there's potential and there's possibility. So, uh, that doesn't always, that, that often does come with a growing edge or challenge or, you know, something getting messy before it feels like it's cleaned up. So that's interesting and perhaps Mm -hmm. exciting and, and we'll kind of, we'll have to maybe chat again and, Mm -hmm and see how, um, see what that looks like. I'm excited about that. Actually, you have so many beautiful and lovely offerings that I would love for you to share a little bit about that people can, um, people can, you know, work with you. So tell us how they can do that. What, what do you have going on? I know you have a brand new program that you just launched, I think like the other day, um, talk to us about how people can work with you in what capacity. Sure. So there's a couple of different ways that we can work together. If you are someone that's just kind of dipping your toes into all of this, and maybe you're interested in learning more about astrology, I have a self-paced astrology course called Ether that you can go through at your own time. It's uh, video modules, as well as um, you're doing hands-on chart interpretation of your own chart. So if that feels like that might be really, um, really helpful for you, that's available and that's, you can just pop onto my website, which is divineskymystic.com. And the course is called ether. Uh, the pro or the, the offering that I'm going to be launching at the end of the month is called lucidity. And this is more on the energetic kind of spiritual side, um, where I'm helping you to really clarify your own personal vibration and frequency, getting really clear on what does my energy feel like and how can I clear energy? That's not mine. This is something that I think has been, <clears throat> a long-term coming. In fact, I've wanted to do this for a long time. It just never felt like the right time. And now it does, because I hear so much from my, from my audience, from my clients that they're just struggling with energetic overwhelm right now, people that, you know, identify as highly sensitive persons. It's just, it's, it's a lot to, to, to move through the collective, um, the collective response at the moment. So lucidity gives you the tools of how to maintain a clear vibration, how to raise your vibration, how to work with your intuition, as well as how to clear any energetic blocks or debris um, so that you can live a life that feels more harmonious, more in balance and more clear. So that's also, if you want more information on that, there's uh, there's a link on my website 
And then if you want to work with me on a one-to-one capacity, I have a couple of different astrology offerings. Um, Of course, I do natal chart readings. I also do progressions and transits. So if you want to look at what's coming in for you for the next six to 12 months, or, um, you know, how your energy is maturing or changing or growing, um, those, those readings are available to you. And then also, um, there's intuitive readings as well. Those are called sacred guidance readings and they're done remotely. So all of the information is on my website. Amazing. And I, like I said, I definitely loved my natal chart reading that I did with you. I would totally recommend that. I feel like if you're, I don't know, not sure where to start, maybe that's a good place to start or the intuitive readings, depending on whichever one you kind of gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also on Instagram. I am. So people can find you there, which is D- Divine Sky Mystic, correct? Yep. Instagram. Correct. Yep. Um, and your website is divineskymystic.com. What is one hope you have for whoever's listening right now, whether they're listening to this tomorrow or five years from now? I think just you're okay. You're okay. Like you are, you are whole and good as you are. And we're all doing our best right now. And I think that that's just a very, um, it's a powerful reminder when you're having days where you feel like I'm just struggling right now to give yourself the forgiveness and grace of like, You're doing your best with what you have at this moment. Just like yesterday, you did the best with what you had yesterday or a year ago. And we're all in that position. I I just find that really comforting to feel like we're all together in some way dealing with this really challenging energy. And you're already exactly as you need to be on this path. Um, there's, There's nothing lacking in you. There's nothing lacking in your chart. You are a whole perfect person in all of your, your beautiful light and, and shadows and, um, to just love on yourself like that. So beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to end on a couple of rapid fire questions, but before I do that, is there anything else that you want to share or that we didn't get to, or that you felt like you wanted to expand on that maybe we, that maybe we missed? I don't think so. We covered a lot of like, we did different topics. So (laughs) bring on the rapid fire. Okay. So you actually have answered these for me in some capacity before when I created your custom meditation, but I think they're fun. So I wanted to share. Sure. Uh, So it's a, this or that, just whatever comes to mind first, you're good at that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just say whichever one you resonate most with. So sunrise or sunset. Sunrise. Underwater or on the ground. On the ground. Stargazing or sunbathing? Stargazing. A colorful natural landscape or more earth toned? Earth tones. And the coast or the mountains? Mountains. Nice. I think mm-hmm. we um, maybe have the exact same ones. Oh, I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I think those Doesn't are all what I would me. answer. What's that? It doesn't, it doesn't surprise, surprise yeah. me. Yeah. I know. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. This was so amazing to connect with you again, as always. I hope to chat with you again very soon. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I appreciate your time. Yeah, super fun. Have an awesome day. Bye. And before we close out, I just wanted to share with you a gift for you to celebrate the launch of the podcast. And that is for a limited time, you can take $30 off my Nature as Ceremony Meditative Solo Study with promo code PODCAST30. And that's PODCAST in all caps, three, zero. So it'll make it just 49 bucks, which is what a week or two worth of lattes or matchas or juices or smoothies, whatever it is, it's 49 bucks. 
And nature ceremony is the perfect place to begin to cultivate and create awareness around your own personal regrounding practice. And I swear it will serve you in everything that you do in your life. So if you want to learn more about that, go to meredithewinson.com slash nature is ceremony. And that's where you can enter the promo code podcast 30 for 30 bucks off. And the wait list is open for my custom regrounding meditations. So these are one of a kind. They're made just for you. I ask a few nature inspired questions so I can get a vibe and a feel of what it is that you want to experience. And then I create a 20 minute meditation just for you. And the intention is to just bring alive the world for you that drops you into your most grounded space so that you can receive, you can experience, you can allow, you can listen to this meditation anytime that you need to reground back to you so that you can feel clear, calm, and content anytime, anywhere that you need it. So if you want more info on that, you can find it at MeredithHewinson.com. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Daily Regrounding Podcast. If you loved it, I would be so grateful for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening, as well as share with a friend. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, MeredithEwinson.com, and have a look at my current nature-inspired meditation, mindfulness, and movement offerings. I'd love for you to connect with me on Instagram, at MeredithEwinson.com. Remember, with just one breath, one moment of awareness, or one step into nature, you can reground.